Praise the name of the Lord. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, please. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. <laughs> We're going to talk about eliminating the battle, and specifically your battle, my battle, by redeeming the time. Um, something that is a side note, but I think it has everything to do with what we're going to discuss again today, is that during the march, it was so neat yesterday, I was trying to keep up, I was recording one thing I probably could have left, went and recorded, or just recorded both of them, but I got so far in that I didn't know which way to go, but I was watching the march on my phone and watching the return on my TV and uh, so but so I'm watching back and forth back and forth and I'm just like oh my god which one I mean it's like you know it's so good it's so good and uh, but Franklin Graham's son and the Graham's just I really got a real appreciation for them yesterday handsome group of men and women that love God he even had his sister pray his sons were there uh, his one son that was 16 years as a special ops uh, with the uh, Rangers and had, I think he said, eight major um, combat missions. And he was there praying with his dad. And uh, another son, they all look alike, handsome Grahams. And uh, the one son said this. It was amazing. He was just being interviewed. He wasn't praying but he said this and I was like oh my god because they gave several clips of Billy Graham and if you know who Billy Graham was thousands and millions of people I mean he was America's preacher at one time and but he told his grandson they called him Papa Bill and uh, Daddy Bill I think it was or Papa Bill but anyway that was their their name for him they didn't call him grandpa but anyway he said Papa Bill said to me, he said, I'll never forget, he said, son, son, I could have gotten more, he said, I preached a lot, I preached a lot, I preached a lot, but he said, I could have gotten more people saved if I would have spent more time on my knees and less time preaching. I said, oh my God, oh my God, that's what we've been preaching. He said, son, I preached a lot in my life. But he said, if I'd have spent more time on my knees than time that I spent preaching, I'd have got a lot more people saved. And he recognized it. Praise the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness... But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Amen? For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And so uh, uh, he's talking, uh, we've went through this many, many times. You've heard me preach on Ephesians many times. You've heard Homer preach on it many times. We, we don't have to lay a groundwork that, of course, he's talking to the church. And he's talking about reproving to born-again people. And he's not just talking about reproving as in separation of reproving yourself from the world, as in separation from people but reproving the darkness that is still maybe resident, not of the new nature, of course, but of the residue of everything that is causing you to have any aptitude in your walk that resembles the old life or resembles the old man. Proving what is acceptable and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. If, you, if he says don't have fellowship with them, then obviously there's a possibility you could have fellowship with them. But he's saying rather reprove them. What does that mean? That means stop doing it. 
It means to get it out of your life. It means to, to continue to exercise the full right of the new nature and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is only an emphasis of the new nature, what you've been made. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them, those in the world, in secret. But all things are reproved and are made manifest by the light. And whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So it's telling us this, that the reproving and the manifesting, in other words, the light of God that has shone into our hearts by the power of the new nature, is the reproving by which now we're able to look into our lives and say we measure everything by that proof and by the proof of the word of God. If there's ever been a year where the Holy Spirit is saying reprove, reprove, this is the message, come away, get intimate, but also reprove all, any, all and any hidden works of darkness. Now at this point in time, again, I will tell you, Need, I need not, but I, I can tell you, we're not even talking about, we've not left the message of the power of the new nature to reprove immediately of fornication, adultery, axe murdering. That should stop the day, the, you know, the moment. But the reproving that we're talking about is where he's talking about any resemblance of going along with the flesh, going along with anything that just would set itself at an indifference towards revival. What's an indifference? Pastor, I don't, it doesn't, I'm not mad at you. I don't get, uh, you know, angered at you when you talk so much about prayer and revival. I appreciate that. But are you doing it? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And I can't tell you what that is. We never, ever, ever, ever tell you what you're supposed to be doing prayer-wise. Never. We don't tell you time-wise what you should be doing. But many people will default to confusion and condemnation to disguise their unwillingness to be accountable. Well, I'm condemned by you talking about spending and wanting us to spend so many times. Don't you mean that you're convicted? And then you can, you can default to, I'm really confused, I'm really condemned, I'm really... You can default to that and create a chaos in your world because you won't address the issue of what he's told me to do, I'm still not doing it. Can I buy an Amen. He says, wherefore, he saith, and he's talking about quoting scripture of the old, awake thou that sleepest. I know we've one time been awoke, but he's going further here to tell them to the church, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead. I have arisen from the dead as in I have been birthed. If uh, Romans 6, I've been brought up with him. That baptism, I understand. I've arisen with him from the dead. But he says here in an awakening to the church, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that thou, as a result of this, as what I've just told you, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And here is a key verse for us today. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What does redeem the time means? It means to count it precious, buy it back in every way possible. Hallelujah. Glory. Now go to Colossians chapter 4. Just Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 1 says this, Masters, Give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us the door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. 
for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. That means the people that are in the world. Why or how so? Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may be able to know, or that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. Hallelujah. See, we are training Navy SEALs here. We're training Army Rangers here. If you fall below in between the cracks, we love you and we have a place for you and our messages will inevitably pick you up. I can't tell you uh, how much I love you. I just have an insatiable desire to tell every one of you how precious you are. I don't care if you're an elder or if you, I don't care if you don't pray. I don't care if you're with us, not with us, in this or out of it. I love you all the same. And God knows. But I can tell you this, that what we're receiving on this journey is perfect, not because I'm perfect, but because his word is perfect. Well, pastor, all you give us is prayer messages. That's all we hear and that's all we learn. That is a lie. I can tell you this, it is a focus right now, but in this journey, what you're receiving from myself and from Homer and from this pulpit, even from these elders, is a, I, I'll guarantee you this, I'll, I'll bet you, not that there's any debate, that in this, probably just in this year, there's probably been 20 other biblically-based messages or subjects covered thoroughly through Scripture on the journey to prayer. In other words, you're behind no church or no people in Bible intelligence and in understanding doctrine. Hallelujah. In fact, you're ahead, except it be for like Jim Martins or wherever others like Gary Carpenter. So we're all receiving as we're going forward. Sometimes we think it's all prayer, it's all prayer. No, in the hodgepodge, as we're teaching prayer, as we're teaching revival, as we're teaching intimacy, there's every other kind of subject matter also being taught along with it. Hallelujah. Don't never back up in your thoughts of like, well, I'm going to meet somebody and, you know, they're really going to stump me. You're not in a debate process, but you're thoroughly furnished. Thoroughly furnished. In fact, I'd probably match you up against most preachers. Probably 90% of preachers, okay? Hallelujah. I'm getting anointed and I'm getting, so you, Watson, you can open it again. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. That's my buddy right there. Okay. So go to Romans chapter 13. Ooh, that feels good. The word, you know, that air conditioning. Jesus, hallelujah. Well, walk, no, I'm just, <laughs> just going to go into my office and preach from in there at my desk. Hallelujah. Marty says, I always give you the AC and then you close yourself up and then you have to. <laughs> Verse 11 says this, Romans 13, and that knowing the time. That now it is high time, knowing the time, knowing the season, now it's high time. The high time is a special emphasis of the hour in which we live prophetically. In other words, it's, it's time now. It's been being time, and it's high time. <laughs> the alarm clock is going off. Don't hit snooze again. It's high time. Now's the time to get out of bed and get her done. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It's high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not riding, not 
uh, drunkenness, not in drunkenness, not in shacking up, and wantonness, shacking up, that's chambering, not in strife and envying, put, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Don't make any provisions for it. Don't make any access to it. Don't have any hidden agendas. This is the reproving that we're in now. When I say that you'll not be not loved if you fall through the cracks here, but I still go back to this. It, 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 it shouldn't mesmerize you or if you're just up front and tell people and you understand this, we are training you to be Joel's soldiers, Joel's army soldiers. Every owie in your life disturbs me. It, it, it makes me not worry, but I feel it. I, I pray for you. But at the same time, I'm saying, look, we are... Uh, uh, we have cut off by the grace of God. I don't know what else there is around me that is still in my thinking that's religion, but he'll get to that. We've cut off religion. We've cut off programs. We've got this thing down and we're just narrowing it down so that we run this race. Hebrews uh, tells us to run our race unabated, laying aside every weight and sin that so easily doth beset us. So what we're doing is we're coming to a place where uh, we're perfecting, you know, the four-minute mile. We're bringing that in. When uh, Bannister broke that in 1945 at, um, in England at Oxford, I think at university, uh, nobody, they believed that a human body could not do that. That some people surmised if they do do it, uh, break the four-minute mile, the heart will burst. And because uh, no human had ever been clocked, there were several. Um, there was a, uh, when Roger Bannister broke it that day uh, in, in England at Oxford University, I believe it was, there was another young man that was uh, Santee's. I believe he was from Australia. And then there was a Kansas boy that was, they were all, then they didn't have TV like we have now. They were all neck and neck for months. The world was watching. I mean, it was like, praise God, they had better things to do than, than uh, watch the Republicans and Democrats fight. So the, for months, for that whole year leading up to it, uh, these time reports would come in um, of, about where these boys were running in the world and how close they were and wanted to shave it by... I mean, they were shaving it by two or three seconds. That's the fight. That was the race they were in. And for months, that line of four minutes could not be broken. It could not be broken. It could not be broken. It could, uh, for years, it couldn't be broken. But for that year, it was like front page news. People, people would get the newspaper and read uh, which one of them got closest. And it was like, you know, where, when's this thing going to be done? When they, they had it on radio, they didn't have it on TV. When Roger Bannister crossed the line at three minutes, 59 point something seconds, the world went crazy. They went absolutely crazy. A human being can run a sub four minute mile. Once he did that, now we have not very many. Now it's not hardly ever, I mean, but you will find in the record book, high schoolers or college people that have done it. Because the believability factor, now hundreds maybe have done it. Not everybody does it. Well, I know somebody that did it. Well, you need to get them in touch with the record book because they're a record world holder if they've done it in less than four, you know, four minutes. Well, I did it once, Pastor. Times three, probably you did. Probably times three. But what I'm saying is once the cat gets out of the bag, once the believability, I, I don't have, I was like Homer, I, I, you know, it was so good what he was saying. If you, he goes, it's a quandary, and it's a quandary f for me to how they started out so quick uh, with, you know, no real long fast under the, and I'm talking about Pentecost, shot him out of a cannon, and they were just doing the works and the miracles and all those kinds of things. He summarized a little bit. He said it wasn't the, maybe all, the total reason, but I believe as, as well 
they had a prototype that they could not relate to in their spirit, but their soul was baptized in it for three and a half years. They watched arms grow out and legs grow out and blind every day. Now that's a baptism. It'll baptize your soul. So immediately when their spirit was born again, it was just like, it just shot them right out of the cannon. It just like, so once we begin to see this onslaught come, it's going to mean more, it's going to be incredible. But our time is so important. In 2005, the National Science Foundation published an article summarizing research on human thoughts per day. It was found that the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000, and that's a big sparse, I understand, thoughts per day. Now, I've met a lot of people, I didn't think they had one <laughs> intelligent thought. Of those thousands of thoughts, 80% were negative. 95% were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. Now, even if you split this, because I've read, I read, I read a few articles on this, so they were all over the board, uh, but all, always in the thousands and thousands. And how they surmise this and how they did their intellectual, uh, the, the, the psychology on that, I'm sure it was um, through a, uh, you know, a select group. Somehow they did that. And somehow, I don't know, I, I can't even begin to think about how they come up with exactly uh, how many thoughts per day. But tw 12 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those thousands of thoughts, 80% were negative and 95% were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. We can see that one of the tendencies of the mind is to focus on the negative and to play the same songs over and over, okay? Uh, this is part of this lesson this morning. You've only got so many electrical responses, which are thoughts, that your brain can provide on a daily basis. What are you doing with them? Are you redeeming the time? Or are you, present person included, doing things to create diversions unnecessarily? And I'm not talking about not having any life apart from scriptural reading, prayer. I'm not talking about that. But what are we doing to aid to and abed things that are unnecessarily occupying our mind and our thoughts. You've only got so many electrical responses, neurons that of course fire those electrical responses and cause you know the brain to have the ability to process a thought that make up thoughts. How are you and I using them? This is the conclusion that uh, and you don't have to turn here but I'll read it for you. The conclusion Here's the conclusion to everything Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. In other words, here's the end of the church service and all of everything. Fear God and keep his commandments. That puts a lid on it, doesn't it? For this is the whole duty of man, he said. For God shall bring every work into judgment. With every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And he, he closes out his Ecclesiastes with that. That's it. That shuts her down right there. Here's the conclusion of all things. So my question to you and my question would be to myself, not preaching at you but with you, what are you doing to change? <laughs> what things have you done to eliminate the time robbers and the thought process is that steal your time for prayer and change. Ask yourself the question. Now here's a question. Please don't say it out loud. Or raise your hand to testify. <laughs> since the beginning of 2020, since it began, has my time, at, I'm giving this to you to personally ask, has my time or devotion in prayer Increased 
Let me read it again because I want to put this accent on devotion. In other words, it may not be just the time frame that has increased, but whatever he's ever told you to do in the past, now you're being more obedient to it with a fervency like never before. So since January, from January to September, has your time either increased or your devotion in these nine months, has, it, has your devotion to keep that direction from the Lord, as in how much you should be praying, how much has that increased? And if it has not increased, whether you're pastor, elder, whoever you are, if that intensity, and I'm, again, I'll clarify, either the time you're, you're praying more now in the last nine months, or you're more focused on what he's told you to do in the past to getting it done. If that's not been happening with all love, you are in disobedience. Now, that didn't get any amens at all. In other words, if now you might be a newcomer, you may be a newbie, or you may hardly ever have a chance to hear these messages, but if you've heard the messages of increase your prayer time or at least be faithful what I've, what I've told you to do. Somebody said, I can't increase it. Okay, let's give that argument to the shelf. Are you being, has something changed inside of you or happened? Are you increasingly more aware of what he's told you to do in the past and doing everything possible? And if you're not, based on everything he said, then you're in disobedience. I'm not saying he doesn't love you. I'm not saying that you're not the apple of his eye. I'm just telling you that when he tells you something and you don't do it, or he solicits, that's just deductive. That's not, that's not condemnation. Well, pastor, you put me under condemnation. No, this is what he said in Ephesians that we reprove ourselves. We don't give any excuse to the flesh. And if I look around, I'm not looking, I promise I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at everybody. Okay? So if from January to September, based on all these messages and prophecies and everything that we've been hearing, that's all you preach on is prayer. No, listen, you're more versed on love, prophecy, gifts. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. The scripture that you've been taught in time prophecy uh, what subject is it that you don't get? You get every single one of them. And I'm not telling you that you're privileged. I'm just telling you that we're not wasting anybody's time on just the message of prayer. But like Dave used to say, what's wrong with prayer? Glory to God. Well, Pastor, I get condemned when you start this. <laughs> Listen. Dear heart, I can't help it if you get condemned. Now, if, here's the thing. If I told you everybody in here needs to be praying X amount of hours, and if you're not, you're falling behind. That's not the message. The message is you knowing, and here's the thing. The scripture says, in one place it says, don't say when you see your brother it's talking about helping people. It's in the Old Testament. Don't say I didn't see his necessity. When you see his ox in the ditch or his, his sheep in the pit, don't pass by and say, I didn't see it. We also can't come to a place where we say, I really don't know what the Lord requires of me. If you're his son or daughter, you should know. How do, how do I do that? Don't, we all talk to him, right? And he all, all talks back to us in a good way. Well, I've never heard his voice. Yes, you have. <laughs> it can be even an impression like, I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm hearing it, but I'm really impressed I need to pray X amount of time. Or, and if you deny that, then... <laughs> 
you're denying something of his voice to our life. Okay? Point made. I won't continue to belabor. But, but what I'm just trying to say is sometimes people will say, I'm condemned. Don't get condemned, dear heart. Just, do, just start doing it as best you can. And ask for grace. And it will happen. So here's the thing. What can you do and myself to eliminate much of the battle for this fight, for giving more of ourself to God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now the essence of what I'm reading to you is he says I know the thoughts and so again this morning our sub title or our sub subject is thoughts the processing of our thoughts and the elimination of time robbers that keep us because thoughts will inevitably detour us or steer us into obedience Obedience and prayer. Obedience. Why are you talking? Because your authority is awesome. It's awesome. It's incredible. You don't know. Pastor, I don't stand up and preach. He is going to use your authority in this revival. Your personal walk is going to help get somebody born again, spirit-filled, and not just one person, multiple people. And you're going to be very involved in miracles. He says in 29, 13, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your hearts. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from the nations and from all places, whether I have driven you, saith the Lord, and I will bring you again into this place or into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I'll read these also to you, these scriptures, these two verses. Psalmist said in 139 verse 17 and 18, he said this, How precious also are thy thoughts. Now he's talking to God here, unto me. O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. Now this is incredible because he's saying that God, you think towards me, billions of thoughts. He compared it to the sands of the sea. But that's only a blessing to us to know, not just that he is thinking about us, now because he's God. No human being can think about everybody and think multiple, you know, if we can think 60,000 thoughts a day, how many thoughts can God think concerning us? The psalmist said they are immeasurable. In other words, they are as the sands of the sea. They are innumerable. Well, if this God can think this towards us, our God can think this towards us only because he's God, because only God could think billions of thoughts or millions of thoughts towards each person that is in the kingdom or his children or his sons and daughters. But that is not the only part of that blessing. The blessing is this, is that those thoughts are supposed to come back to us via the Holy Spirit. Through praying in tongues and through the illumination process of his word, he constantly wants to convey. It's not that he just he's up there thinking, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that you appreciate me and you're thinking about me. But what does that mean? That means if he's thinking about us, he wants to do something for us. And he wants to get those thoughts over to us in areas of life, peace, promise, direction, in every single part of our life, his thoughts are to get over to us through praying in tongues. If you're not teaching your kids, now here's some more reasons why I took up the offering first. If you're not teaching your kids to pray at home, you're missing it. In other words, if you're not having some, I'm not talking about you can be religious and get your kids mad at God. But if they're little and you're bringing them up two or three or four times a, a week, at some point, you should have something of prayer, a Bible, and it can only last five minutes or it can only last ten minutes 
or something to invoke Christ into their life. Don't give it, don't, that hour that they're getting over there, that's not going to get it. Your testimony in their life has to be more than just they know mommy and daddy doesn't lie. They love, daddy loves mommy, mommy loves daddy. That's perfect. That's wonderful. But they need the love of, they need the word of God. They need, they need, and don't, don't relegate it to a Christian school. Don't relegate it to anything. You are their parents. If you're not encouraging your spouse to pray more, when I say you're missing it, what does that mean? In simple terms, you're in disobedience. <laughs> if you're not encouraging your spouse to pray more through your life of prayer, you're missing it. Well, I don't know. I, when he gets home or when she gets home, we just like to snuggle on the couch. I don't like them to be apart from me. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Love each other. Spend time with each other. But let your spouse see that you're going to go to your bedroom or you're going to go to your, or you're going to go over here or you're, let them know that you, in a loving way, that you love Jesus more than them. And because you love Jesus more than them, you'll never get a divorce. You'll stay together forever. If you continue to love him <laughs> more than them. Hallelujah. There's a call to prayer. How many of you know that? So I, I know that I know it. <laughs> I go to this church. Hallelujah. Listen, there's a call to prayer. I'm a trumpeteer or I'm a trumpeter. Maybe that's a better word. I'm a trumpeter. You're supposed to be a trumpeter too. We're supposed to have this trumpet in our mouth, not in a fanatical sense where people are like, oh God, they're weird, I can't. But we ought to have something that's saying, this is a time of prayer. This is a time of intercession. This is a time of calling away. This is a time of, you know, and I know that your unsafe loved ones, they don't get it. Don't, don't try to give that to them. God cannot get his thoughts over to us if we're too preoccupied. Do you understand that? There's only enough time in a day for so many thoughts, okay? And if your thoughts are too preoccupied with work, children, spouse, Money, sports, politics, etc., etc. You're not going to get enough. I'm not telling you to totally abandon all that. I'm not. I'm just saying how much of your problem not to be able to get this done is your contribution to the problem. I'm going to mention something and I'm going to get in a runner's stance to see if I can get to that door so that I'm not clobbered. No, I, I'm going to preface it by I won't get stoned for this. Obviously, there's no stones in here, but I'll I tell you what, I bet 30 Bibles upside the head would probably hurt. Let's talk about Facebook for a moment. I hear so many people, and I'm not just talking about people in here. I'm talking about people that maybe some of you know or don't know that I've talked to from time to time. I hear so many people complaining about, okay, here's my preface. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you to get rid of Facebook, okay? So now you can relax, okay? Okay, okay, what's that? Might be a good thing, Homer said. Might be a good thing. I hear so many people complaining about the stupid things they see and hear on Facebook. Now, I don't have it, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to throw anybody under the bridge or it's like, oh, he's more spiritual. Um, I'm not saying that at all. I, you know, I'm not saying that. I hear so many people tell me about the arguments that they get involved with or if they pass it by that they want to get involved with on Facebook. And I'm thinking, why? Why? Why why, why fight that battle? Why fight that battle? Even if you don't get involved in the argument, you still walk around and think about how stupid 
those things are. But pastor, I'm thinking about the truth concerning the error that they presented. That's not the point. The point is you're wasting your time in thought patterns that God did not create. Now, I don't know a lot about it, but I'll tell you one of the most spiritual things that you can do for a lot of people that you think you're evangelizing, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them. Not at all. They keep saying stuff that you either don't, you either debate with them or try to give them a Christian attitude or some kind of Christian thought, and then you're thinking about this, and then you get off and think, I can't believe that person said that. Get rid of that battle. Get down, down to bare bones battle. Jesus picked his fights. Let's pick our fights. Not let, our, let the fight come to us and pick us. But we contribute to time robbers. And we contribute to, if we've only got 30,000 possible thoughts to be thought per day, we're robbing ourselves. Even if you say, <laughs> I don't agree with them. I can, listen, that's why, <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> you might think I'm being facetious, but really, some of you really developed a, to this, to where you're much better than I would be. I can't have it right now. I don't know that I'll never. I mean, it'd be nice as a bulletin board to show your grandkids. But the first time anybody told me, don't judge, or Christians are supposed to walk in love and they're not supposed to judge, oh, Jesus, I'd be like Medea. Mm. I'd write a doctoral. Mm. Matthew 7 is the exact opposite of that. You're crazy. You don't know anything. And I'd give them like 60,000 scriptures. I'd be like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, no. Yes, he did. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I can't have Facebook. Because I'd walk around all day thinking, I'd think about everything I forgot to tell them. And I want to tell them this. And I want to tell them that. Why create that battle for myself? I don't walk around with that battle because I don't deal with a lot of stupid people. <laughs> Eliminate the robbers. Redeem the time. Eliminate some of your friends. Somebody said, oh, I got these friends. I got... Listen... You got to also ask yourself this. I got a, you somebody, I got a bunch of friends. I got a, okay, is that a status quo thing for you? In other words, if you think, well, I've got hundreds of, are you doing that like as a sense of popularity? Like a high school kid would think, I got a whole bunch of friends, so I'm popular. Why do you, why, why, not everybody. Some people just generally love people and they've got, but then they've got tons of people that they, they're, they're friending, I guess, and they're, they're saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Why, why, would, why do you keep the battle? Is it a feeling like, I don't know. Only God can answer and you, you can answer. Pastor, yes, sir. Okay, here's a person, Homer, Brother Homer, one of the pastors slash elders in our church, um, he's been many years on Facebook and he said he's never got one person born again on Facebook. Okay, that's proof for me. So I'm going to help him. No, you're not, not really. Well, I'll tell you what, if you think that you can or whatever, give him the, the, uh, the Pauline once over or, or, or the, the scripture. He said after the second admonition, do away with them. Delete them. That's basically my interpretation. Is you give them one, two, three strikes, you're out. He said after you see a person is uh, a heretic or just wants to debate, after the third, after the second admonition, call them a strikeout. That's it. And that's pretty simple. So if you've had somebody on there for six months that you're trying to evangelize and you say, well, they just keep arguing, you're way past. They done struck out a long time ago. They're, they done swung out. You need to delete them. 
Pastor, I watched a movie and I fought lust for two days, but I won and I never gave in to lust. Great. That's just great. But what if you had never watched the stupid thing? Then you would have never had the battle. We are contributors to our own battle. <laughs> I watched a scary movie and I rebuked fear for two. Well, you crazy thing, you. You're the one that did it to yourself. You said boo. And then you're having a rebuke. Well, here's another one that's even a little closer. Pastor, I inadvertently saw, and I mean, nowadays, the commercials are porn. Pastor, I inadvertently saw a commercial that I can't get out of my mind. That's, and that sounds more innocent because it was not deliberate, like you just saw it. But the more TV time that you invest, you're going to come across inadvertent and undeliberate scenes but you must ask yourself is the amount of tv time i'm spending giving unwanted commercial scenes in my brain time to incubate or to be there so somebody will say i was watching a good movie but i just saw and i'm not saying that you're not going you can't you can't ever get to the place where see no evil hear no evil but i'm talking about the more time that you spend you're, the more exposure you're going to have to the world. And you can't justify it saying, man, I'm having all these crazy thoughts, but I didn't watch anything bad. Well, but you, you're spending hours in, in TV, and all that's going to come through somehow. <laughs> Pick your fights. Pick your fights in the Holy Ghost. Jesus picked his fights. Don't wear yourself out in fights that you create. Be willing to give your life for the cause of righteousness. I'm not talking about you got you, you to gotta stand up. But for time robbers and foolish arguments and created places for the flesh to bring images contrary to the word of God, we have to delete those places in our life. Amen. Um, don't waste valuable spiritual energy. We waste so much spiritual energy. Don't, um, don't become a martyr. See, I believe this, that there, there have been modern day martyrs, but I also believe that there has been multiple unnecessary martyrs physically because they wouldn't listen and they pressed into fights there's a time, see, Jesus would fly under the radar, but then when he wanted to, when he wanted to, when he wanted to land a powerful blow against Satan, against religion, he would speak it, but then he would dismiss himself and he would ease out and go. It was an incredible example of a person picking the fights when and where they were supposed to have them not letting the flesh pick the fights for them or not putting themselves in vulnerable positions. Now, how far are you? I don't know. I have not arrived. There's probably different trials or different things in my life that I don't like yet to be dismissed, that I'm a contributor. I want the Holy Spirit to reprove, as Ephesians says, all the works of darkness. Now, these works of darkness are not porno. They're not lust. They're the parts of me that still are yet to be reproved as in uh, the contributing of the world into my life in it, through ways that I don't yet see, maybe inadvertently, but yet the Holy Spirit is bringing all of us to a place where uh, he's bringing us to bare bones, okay, where the fights are pure. See, I want all my trials... I don't want trials, but I want all my trials to be true blue trials. In other words, it's not the flesh contributing to my trial. It's the world or Satan that's trying to stop me. Hallelujah. We're almost closed here. Uh, the word says in Isaiah 26, 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him or her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. 
That will, it doesn't say that will keep him in perfect peace. End of promise. It was based on a choice that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is consecrated, stayed on, deliberately thinking about God because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is an everlasting strength. Peace is a deliberate choice. The mind must choose to stay on the Lord. Peace is a guidance system. This is the prerequisite. As we close, as we wind down, uh, this is something, it's so basic, but it's so important to understand. Ephesians 6.15 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace is the directives. It, it is the God's guidance system in our life. It's to be protected. And the way that we receive his continual peace is to keep our minds stayed on the Lord as much as we can. Nobody's ever thinking about the Lord in every single thought. I understand that. But if you're not integrating God continually, if that's not your effort, uh, other things will creep in. They will creep in. Don't let the structural integrity of your peace and your prayer life be destroyed by time robbers, but redeem the time because the days are evil. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we worship you. None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect by no means, Lord. Our perfection is in you, but the word says, as many as be perfect, receive this to walk in this. And so, Father, we know that our perfection is that perfection that you gave, that that spirit is, a, that born-again spirit is perfect. Now it has the capacity through your leadership to reprove all the works of darkness, not just in killer sins or not just in things that, Lord, have the capacity to take us completely out, but the things that keep us away from revival father help us help us to see the things in our life that are we are contributing to but lord to receive more so your encouragement for that grace to say i'm with you in all this i'm helping you in all this and together we you and the holy spirit can bring forth this outpouring that you desire in us. We love you, Father, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. We will see many of you here at 6 o'clock tonight, and we will be trying to show this uh, testimony. Amen.